Welcome to For What It's Worth. I've known about furries for a long time before this experience, but I'd never seen it in action. I I, I see the furries at the cons, and I ne- I'm always wondering who is in there. That's the first thing I'm wondering. Is it a man? Is it a woman? An introduction to an exploration of the furry fandom. Wait for just one second until yeah. you guys have pulled out. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> we're pulling out right now, so it's, uh, it's a slow process. <laughs> Congratulations! You've just scored a one-down mushroom thanks to your hosts, Rue and Tags. Oh yeah, and like the mechanism that makes the fire blow out of his mouth? That's probably four grand, right? I've had a party emergency. Got one right now. <laughs> <laughs> when is the new Animaniacs? Five and a half hours, I got a party emergency. You know, bend it to the right here. Game over, man! Game over! We're all gonna friggin' die here! Game over, man! Woo! Okay. Hey, hey, don't try and steal my thunder. Oh. All right. And welcome to Season 5, Episode 15 of For What It's Worth, I Live With Hexus. What does that mean? So, I'm I'm giving the audience 10 seconds to figure out what it means. Uh, It's Hexus with two X's, and it has to do with Tim Curry. Hexus was in Ferngully, and he was the toxic guy. Oh. Because today's episode is about toxic parents, you see? No, but uh, okay. Oh, you failed me. We'll give we'll give you a little clap there. Oh, I get the multi-clap. Yeah, the multi-clap. Deluxe clap. clap. The multi-clap. Uh, so yeah, so give us the 60-second con report, Rue. How was the con? BLFC. The con was amazing! Woo! Again, with the extremes. So it was um, just to give you a quick little review. It was it was fun. Um, there was a lot that was going on. I felt that the theme kind of fell a little bit flat. Sorry, some people are probably going to hate me for saying that, but that's that was just kind of my feelings near the end of it. But the convention itself was a great convention, and they hit some they hit some pretty large numbers. Right now, they're the third largest convention in the world, I believe. And um, their numbers will continue to to grow as long as they continue to do great things. Any highlights? Um, oh, there was no for what it's worth live. Yay! <laughs> yeah, there wasn't enough for what it's worth live. Um, a couple of people came up and asked if we were going to do a panel. Sorry. Next time. Next time. All right. So you ready to put together your final score? Final score of BLFC. Yeah. A plus. Why? Wait, I can't give A+. Plus. I have to give uh, a A-. Minus. A-. Minus. Yes, because there's always room for improvement. Ah, uh, okay, so you're creating artificial scarcity. Exactly. Gotcha. All right, well, that's Rue's review. I don't even have to go to the end of the song. Nope. So, what have you been up to, Mr. Tugs? Uh, I was out of town, had glorious vacation, which is why I was not at BLFC. And then I came back, and the world decided to go upside down. So that's not been fun this week. What else have I been up to? I've been watching people comment on Nuka's video, which has gone swimmingly well. If you haven't gone to YouTube, you should go check it out. Seriously, go check it out right now. Put us on pause and go watch this video for an hour and a half, and then come back and finish this hour and a half. No one has anything to do out there. Uh, I'm still happy Pitch Black is on the market. And once again, I'd just like to remind everyone that you can get Baja Blast anywhere. I know it's a little inconvenient, Mr. and Mrs. Millennial, but Pitch Black, you can't get a Taco Bell, so give, do us a, a, a solid. So in other words, vote. Vote? 
vote? Yes, for your democracy thing. It's not democracy this year. It's just a drink. My God. Whatever. It's not. It's not. Look, I'm sound like you. It's. <laughs> it's more than just a drink. Oh my gosh, ducks. It is my first world problem. Tell us about your first world problem and how much you need it. I do need it because I hate grape soda, and this is the only good grape soda out there. And if you have to go to Taco Bell and go out of your way to get Baja Blast, at least you can get it. I won't be able to get it if you screw it up for me. But Tugs, but Tugs, doesn't it give heartburn? Doesn't it cause diabetes? I don't give a shit about any of that. (laughs) Wow. This music's just amazing. It's first world problems. Yeah. Okay, no more first world problems. I put, you know what? I wish I had more to share, but I really don't. It's it's. I've just been out of town, relaxing and hanging out. It was really good, recharging. So I think it's time to do the thing that I think you forgot. No, I didn't. He's only half eight. It's Ruse Kooky Time. You have a wallet full of fortunes now. Yeah, <laughs> I collect these things. You create your own stage. And your audience is waiting in bed with the cookie. I think that's absolutely true. (laughs) It is. So once again, you create your own stage and your audience is waiting in bed with a cookie. Welcome back, everybody. I just so, want to, wait, wait. Before you introduce him, I just want to point out that you have the Costanza wallet. The Costanza. <laughs> you do seriously? Isn't there like a little song about it? I don't. I don't. I don't know. It's probably some shitty. But I don't know. Yeah, you have the Costanza wallet. Wow, that was that was amazing. Look at that. Your wallet. Your wallet is literally going to cause hip dysplasia for you. I just barely got a new card too do you, today. Do you put it in your front or back pocket? My bank sent me this card. Front or back pocket? I I put it in my front pocket. Oh. I don't put it in my back pocket. Probably because it wouldn't fit. It. Who sits in the on their wallet? Like Every, seriously. Well, let's ask. Introduce our guest and ask him if he sits on his wallet. All right, Nuka. Tell us. Do you sit on your wallet? Uh, I don't actually because I wear shorts and they don't have a back pocket. So. There we go. Oh. <laughs> Well, Although I do know that there was a problem with uh, people who uh, were suffering back problems and, and such from wearing their uh, or having their wallets in their back pockets. Who wants to sit unevenly on a bench? I don't. I want my two cheeks to be planted firmly on that bench. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's what I do. I was so late. <laughs> All right. So, Nuka, how have you been? It's been a few episodes since we've heard from you as the guest. Uh, I've been pretty good. Uh, inundated with uh, with research, but otherwise not too shabby. So you've been doing science? Yes, uh, both furry science and my regular job science as well. So Regular jobs. I thought science was your job. <laughs> well, I do. Uh, in addition to my furry research, I also study video game violence research. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Sweet. So. I, I heard that there's a new um, new survey that's out. Uh, the furry survey? Yeah, the furry survey. 
Yeah, so the, that one's not with the IARP, but that's the folks over at Adjective Species. Uh, I'd highly encourage people to go take that one. Oh, our longitudinal study. Yes, that one's uh, been uh, passed out as well. Oh, okay. So technically, there are two studies going on right now. Jeez, you insult him right away. I didn't mean to. No, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, <laughs> I didn't feel. I feel bad now. Oh, I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about uh, the uh, the IARP. We're releasing a book next week. Oh what? yes, tell us about your book. Yes. So uh, one of the problems we've run into over the past few years with our research is that uh, people go to our website and it's organized by year. So if you went to Anthrocon last year or Furry Fiesta last year and you wanted to know the results, that's great. But if you're a person who comes there wanting to know about uh, gender issues or uh, what percent of the fandom is gay or pornography in the fandom or any of these issues, the data wasn't organized in a way that made it easy to answer those questions. So uh, I spent a few weeks reorganizing all of our research over the past five years and I accidentally wrote a book. Accidentally? Uh, it just fell I, out of my ass. Well, I, I, did, I didn't mean to, but after I was finished reorganizing everything and doing all the figures uh, up again, I realized that it was 180 pages long. And I said, well, if we slap a cover on this bad boy, it's basically a book. So we, we did just that. And so we'll be releasing it next week uh, for free. We're self-publishing it. We're, we're putting it out for free, digital copies on uh, First Science. You can pick it up there. Uh, or if you watch me on uh, For Affinity, Nuka-Kitty, um, yeah, I'll have links for it there as well. So uh, and it's, 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 it's really pretty. We got a, an artist and a graphic designer to make the cover all pretty. And uh, it, it, it looks really nice. Say the so, website again. Uh, uh, first Science is is one of our. Uh, we have two websites now. There's First Science and Furry Research. First Science is the pretty uh, fun public side of our research with lots of pictures and, and diagrams. Uh, and Furry Research is the more um, back end, all the numbers and stats and, and statistics side of things. So look at that. Oh, that's cool. We're, jump, we're jumping into the modern era and trying to actually pay attention to our uh, 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 public facade and, and make our. We're being let. We're trying to be not just scientists, but also, hey, people, you should look at our data rather than just hide it away in scientific journals and, and have it never see the light of day. So, huh. well, cool. So, when is it going to be out again? The book. Uh, we're shooting for sometime next week. We're just in the last. Uh, we're we're actually working on the the last page of of thank yous and acknowledgements right now. So once that's done, um, we're gonna slap the whole thing together and and publish it online. So awesome. Well, make sure that you send us a link and we'll we'll do Absolutely. something with it. Like we'll put it on. Stuff. We'll put it somewhere. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be pimping this thing around. We'll make sure that the word gets out. Sweet. So we also um, we also have someone else here today. Tell us about it. So we have an individual. His name is Voss. He's actually been on the show before um, by the name of Kagos. Um, he was on our Foxes episode, and he's here today to cover for Koru. Greetings, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that is your introduction. Just greetings, everyone. I am the anonymous voice. <laughs> what? Don't give him the bell. I do what I want. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your species? Well, as you said, I started here as a fox, and that didn't go too well, so I ended up being a surtle. So why did you change? He, he took the training wheels off. 
Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> I did. I stopped being a starter Pokemon. So if you cut off the legs of a fox, you become a, a Sergle? Is that what it is? Something else, generally. You mold into something real. <laughs> oh, and something to real. Ouch! Ah! I'm just so offended right now. I think it was mostly just tired of uh, all the stereotypes. and I just didn't feel as connected with being a fox as I used to. You're not you're not connected to all the yippiness that the foxes get up with. Okay, okay, Just let's start kidding. this conversation. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> so, today we're talking about toxic parents. So let me let me share the background with everyone of where this came from. So, as I have grown and matured into a somewhat fine wine in my life, I have learned that inspiration comes from everywhere. I was talking to someone about one of their exes, and the reason that they are exes was because he had what I believe is a toxic parent meaning that they had more or less, for their own reasons, created an environment where he felt trapped and couldn't leave. So he's 30, and he has only held down minimum wage jobs because his parents make him come home, they won't do any dishes, they won't clean, um, all that kind of stuff. Now, I know that some of that sounds like borderline abusive. The problem is that this isn't unique to him. Um, the extremity of it is not quite as far with some other people, but... There's someone else I know um, who's going to be listening to this, so I apologize, that um, I told flatly, it's like, you know what, you, your, your mom is holding you back. You know, you aren't being really allowed to leave your house and grow and become your own person and move into your career and your adult life because mom doesn't want to be left alone. She doesn't want to be alone in the nest. Um, and then, you know, all, all those parents that transfer their insecurities to their kids and so forth. Um, this isn't something that has really been discussed. And suddenly I seem to be hearing a lot about it lately. So I said, let's do a show about it. So um, toxic parents. So the f- in our show notes, we've written so many questions to have a discussion with you about Nuka. So Nuka, what? Yes. So what would you consider to be a toxic parent? Well, I haven't heard the term used specifically uh, in, in psychological circles, but I would say there's a, uh, a few different ways that a parent, I guess, could be um, uh, a poor influence on their child or not provide the kind of uh, uh, positive atmosphere for their, their children that they ought to. So ideally, uh, parents' role in their children's lives is to um, you know, teach them life skills, nurture them, take care of them, and at some point... Um, basically make them fully functional adults so that at some points in their lives they can go on and, and survive in the world. Ideally, a parent should, should make it so that when they're, they're gone, the child can make it on their own. So I guess anything a parent does that kind of detracts from that may be considered toxic. And as you suggested, there's a whole bunch of, um, there's a sort of a wide continuum there, uh, ranging from just parents who, who don't teach good life skills all the way up to parents who actively work against their children um, sort of moving on and developing into fully functional people. So, Rue, share what you think a toxic parent would be before I read this email. Okay, sure. Um, I just personally feel like a toxic parent is along the same lines of what Nuka said. It's just, you know, somebody that... I, I believe that all parents... I mean, not all parents, but most parents want good for their children. Unfortunately, there is some of them that are very selfish and don't um, and, and want what their needs or to have their needs to be fulfilled. 
And um, I think that that would be a toxic parent. Is a parent, instead of putting their child first, they're putting themselves first and um, only focusing on themselves and not the child. Do you think that it's a conscious thing that they would do? Um, Or would it be subconscious as well? You know, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes yes. (laughs) Sometimes no. It just depends. Okay. Because I, I, do you know, is there a psychological definition of what an abuser is? Is it, does it have to do with like premeditated or deliberate choice? Um, the problem, the problem is that I do mostly social psychology. So this is, I, I haven't to dig back into uh, my undergraduate, you know, clinical psychology courses. We make you work for all those points <laughs> in the degree, sir. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm um, pounding my fists here on the table. <laughs> I mean, I would argue that, that, that a definition of abuse would probably include um, I don't. I don't think it necessarily uh, requires volition, like a person to be um, conscious of it and aware of it. So a person, you know, a person who's an alcoholic, for example, may be abusive, uh, but still be kind of considered. Well, okay, they're they're a victim of of their own alcoholism, or their you know, um, maybe their their actions reflect more on their um, poor decisions involving this this particular drug, but. It would, you know, you, you still would argue, but they're still being abusive. The behavior itself is still abusive. It's still detrimental to the person who's um, on the receiving end of it. So, off the top of my head, you know, uh, with the um, caveat that I'm, I'm speaking a little bit outside my expertise, that's I think where I would sort of draw the line at what counts as abusive. It, does, it doesn't require um, this volition or this active element or the, yeah, this this conscious element necessarily. Right. You know, I, I'm going to add, um, I think that the majority, though, of parents don't consciously, co- don't actually know or don't actually make that choice. Perfect. Thank you. That's, that's I, what I will, I'm trying to I just say. wanted to avoid painting it as like, you know, evil mother with red eyes in the corner kind of thing. Cause that's yeah. Not what it is. Yeah, okay. yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So here's an email we got from Snares. Now, Snares sent us quite a long email, and I'm going to do my best to skim read it. So he says, greetings, Rue and Tugs, and fellow guest if present. I guess that means you, Nuka. Hope this email finds you well. I've been backtracking with FWA show episodes and enjoying past conversations. They've helped me balance my views on the furry fandom as well as people in general. Nuka's segment has been an invaluable addition to the show, and I appreciate how he presents these concepts of psychology within the furry context, making things more comprehensible and relatable. Cheers to that. Thank you. Now, on to the topic itself, Toxic Parents. Oh, and he actually said, please play this on the soundboard. (laughs) 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 He did. On Twitter earlier, you guys mentioned Toxic Parents, fear of the empty nest, projecting fears under their children, and know someone being held back. Well, this couldn't be closer to home than I expected from reading the first tweet in the morning. (laughs) Hailing from Singapore, and more specifically a conservative Asian family, this fear couldn't be more pronounced and having greater weight in our culture and society. From what I understand, most teens in Western societies are expected to leave their parents' home at 18 lest they be mocked for living in the basement while leeching off their folks. In most parts of Asia, it is not uncommon to find children still living with their parents well into their late 20s or their 30s. This is a fact, or in fact, an acceptable practice, and no, I'm not trying to save face through diversion especially among Chinese families where values are deeply rooted in Confucian teachings. Uh, let's see. He says it's usually when they get married that then they move out and then they would start you know, reproducing and carrying on the legacy. 
It is as such not hard to imagine how these values can easily be distorted into a direction favoring the parents, transcending themselves into a heavenly godlike status. For they are the ones who granted their children life, food, and shelter. This is where things can start to go awry, trading moral lines for selfish desires and enabling parents with some sort of holy leverage to use emotional blackmail, which for a good three decades of my life has been the sort of toxic environment that I grew up in until my mother finally passed away the same year Steve Jobs did. I'm actually going to pause the email here um, and just ask, do you, what kind of research or knowledge do you have, Nuka, about the societal expectation of moving out? Yeah, so I can say that um, uh, I think the, the email is absolutely right, that there are cultural differences here. So in uh, North America, there is an expectation, although it's changing a little bit with the sort of grinding, horrible economy. Um, there's this expectation because of this emphasis on independence that, you know, when, when, when kids become 18, 19, 20, they should start thinking about moving out. They should be on their own. Uh, and it's on both ends, too. The parents, you know, the culture says that the parents really want the kid out of the house and the kid really wants to get away from their parents. So everything is kind of geared towards um, building independence as soon as possible and getting, you know, making this person fully functional and then helping them sort of spread their wings and fly. Whereas in um, other cultures, especially more Eastern cultures, there's a lot of emphasis on uh, this much more sort of collectivistic, um, interdependent sort of culture where uh, people function and, and think of themselves largely as members of groups. So uh, family ties are much closer and there's much uh, less emphasis on going out and making something for yourself and being uh, individualistic. Um, and so I would expect to see in those sorts of cultures exactly what's being described here, this sort of emphasis on, there's less of an emphasis on you need to get out of the house, you're 18, you shouldn't be living with your parents anymore. And it's much more, um, in some ways it's much more functional. It's, you know, when you, when you get married or when there's sort of an impetus or a need to, you leave, but, but if, if, if the family unit is operating fine. There's no need to, to, to be in a rush to get out the door, I suppose. Do you feel like um, because of, you know, things that are going on, I mean, like prices are going up and it's hard to make a living on your own sometimes. And especially when you're first making those particular steps, do you find that um, more and more people are staying at home versus going out or... I mean, oh, absolutely. absolutely, yeah. The uh, the norm is changing. So if you look back, you know, the 70s and the 80s and, and perhaps even before then, but the, it was a lot easier for an 18-year-old kid or, you know, 19-year-old kid to walk into a job that would be their career, you know, to, to buy tw by their mid-20s owning their own house uh, and really starting their family at a much younger age. I mean, the, the age of marriage has, in the last few decades, gone up considerably. And I think it's now hovering around the late 20s, 27 or 28. So people are getting married later. They're starting their careers later. Um, they're taking more time to, to find themselves or to, to explore the world or even just to bounce around between jobs, trying to sort of figure out what they want to do with their lives. Uh, and as I mentioned before, the economy, uh, the last few years has been particularly bad, making it really hard, uh, pretty much uh, sort of impossible for a person who's 18 with, with, with no college education to, it's a lot harder at least for them to strike out and, and find their career that early on and really make a, a stable go of it. So I think the norms are starting to change and the expectation that, um, you know, all kids should be out of the house by the age of 18, people are starting to realize um, that's really not a thing that's uh, likely to happen and that norm is starting to change in North America because of sort of pragmatic issues. So I will continue on with the email here. So I'm kind of summarizing here. 
<laughs> but basically, um, uh, Snares went through his military trans- or conscription, I should say. Um, and um, in the meantime, um, his parents, or his dad specifically, was um, having financial issues. He wasn't very financially literate. And so he, Snares, got out of the military. And then he started working on his career choices, right? So degrees, jobs, and so forth. And his mother fell ill with some cancer, unfortunately. And his dad, in the meantime, was also still um, participating in high-risk ventures that weren't very good. You know, he was kind of like the, uh, from the email here, kind of a gullible person, right? Like, oh, yeah, I can make you 1500 bucks overnight sort of thing. Um, and he talks about how his parents, because of the cultural norm, were demanding all of his money to the point where they bullied him into giving him his salary every month. His dad started taking out loans in his name and so forth that would not normally happen, right? So what happened was basically about $45,000 passed through hands before things started happening. Um, but of course, you know, it was hard for him to come back and say, hey, this isn't okay because, it, you know, there's parents mm-hmm. and also the cultural norm there. Um I'm going to read his last paragraph here. He says, to sum up, when my mother met the father, he was already an irresponsible drunken gambler with very bad company to begin with. Before I was born, my mother had overdosed herself with sleeping pills and ended up in the hospital, much to my father's distress. Then suddenly I came along. It's through all this that I dare hypothesize my birth was my mother's way of instilling a greater sense of responsibility into the man she thought she loved by turning him into a father and in hopefully doing so changing him for the better. My existence here on earth could very well be thought of as an accident and that my presence an anomaly. Being an INTJ, everyone knows what that is, I hope, um, my personal sense of alienation from this world only serves to amplify that feeling of not belonging. But hey, you know what? Since I'm already here, by some mistake of a relationship, I get to make the most of it, right? Do you see the line back there in the reincarnation department? Somehow I got the fast pass, and here I am, turning out furry porn for the internet and making a living out of it, enriching your online viewing experience. Whatever it is, your parents don't define your value nor do they own you, and neither does anyone else. You determine your own self-worth, and you create the value that you want for yourself. This is why I do Silly Furry Comics, to give back to the community that saved me. Keep on trucking, and remember, this is all coming from that Asian kid with a tiger mom. If I can outlast madness, so can you. Hugs, kisses, and cookies for everyone. Love, Snares. All right, I've I've done a lot of talking there. I'm going to pass the baton back to Nuka to respond first. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to digest there, um, and, and on the one hand, I'm I'm torn because you know I, I obviously grew up in a, a Western uh, sort of culture, and so my immediate uh, sort of knee jerk reaction is to be like, wow, you know, that's that's impeding his individuality. He should be allowed to strike out and be his own person. But I can understand absolutely um, that when you come from a different culture, especially a culture that puts this emphasis on um, the individual, is supposed to you know if if the family unit is sort of what comes first. So if you struggle or suffer to, to help the family, that's what you're, you know, it's what's expected. Um, and it's kind of competing sort of values there. But I will say um, that it should be taken only so far. I mean, and with any culture, uh, you can only uh, put these values so far that if it comes to the point where um, he's the only one taking care of this family unit and, and if, if the family is really this hostile or really... Um, this detrimental if they're not working to um, uh, it, it, if, the, if this sort of dysfunctional uh, or maladaptive uh, no one can be blamed for wanting to get out of there no one can be blamed for uh, not sticking around when the ship is sinking 
Um, so I, I absolutely understand what a sort of conundrum that is to be in that position where your culture kind of expects you to stick around, but um, common sense is telling you, hey, this is a, a losing deal. Well, my personal opinion, <laughs> I I am so sorry to hear that, that I mean, $40,000? That's $45,000. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. This was five years worth of income. That's like, uh, that's like just burning 45000 I wish I had $45,000 right now. I am so sorry to hear that that happened. And, um, you know, I, I'm not going to give you advice in this situation. I just... Well, he's he's out of it now. Yeah, yeah it sounds like he I, doesn't necessarily need advice. To okay, okay. Well, then yeah. I, I'm glad that you're no longer in that particular situation because I'm sure that you're you're now being able to pave your way and you're able to 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 take care of things on your own and not having somebody behind you spending all the money that that you work hard to be able to make. You know, you're. I I know that there's some people that have parents that make bad decisions, and you know it sounds like that he had some sort of a gambling issue, right? Is His that dad, what he said? yeah, bad bad investments, gambling, et cetera, et cetera. So, I'm I'm glad that you're no longer in that situation. So you know this is interesting though, and, and see the the question that we're that we're talking through is you know what leads to this sort of thing. I I I totally agree that it, in Asian culture. That is true, and to be honest, I I did read most of the email, um, and before we got together, the the part about Asian culture had slipped out of my mind. It was just like, oh my god, your parents were so mean. Um, the the I don't I don't want to give that too much emphasis because the thing is that the stories that I was talking about that led to the inspiration for this episode, all those people live in North America, so I don't want to unfairly say, well, that happens a lot more in Asian culture. I don't think that's necessarily true, and I know that we don't have data here to to back that up. I just I want to point that out that um, the first story that person lives in, in the western part of the U.S. The second story that person lived in the eastern part of the U.S. Um, and to a lesser extent, a third story now that I think about it is Canadian. And so it's it's you know it's hard to say that that would be completely Asian. Am I making sense? Yeah, I mean the the idea is even if it even if you can make the arguments, and again I'm saying this without data, but even if you could make the arguments that it happens more often in Eastern cultures or collectivistic cultures. Um, that still raises the interesting question of, well, why does it also happen in individualistic cultures? And it's still, it's still an interesting question, um, you know, regardless of whether it crosses sort of cultural boundaries and it raises questions about sort of what do you do in these sorts of situations or what causes this uh, to happen? Right, right. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix things up a bit here. So the next thing uh, um, we're kind of bridging between what leads to toxic parents and the symptoms um, is I'm gonna read Leo's email a little bit sooner new than we planned. And by the way, Leo, thanks for the upcoming ident. See, see, I covered that base. Um, he said, "Hello, adorable fuzzbutts of Foa, toxic parents." This phrase is so unfamiliar. I did a little investigation, and behold, I found the term for quote unquote dad behavior. He was a two-faced in a lack of few words. He go from anger and violent to screaming and cussing a storm to happy and collected and never caring. After his fit against us, he would give us the silent treatment. He wouldn't acknowledge whomever he yelled at, hit, or cussed out at Max for months. Then back to normal. And Lord, was he overly critical. 
I wasn't the best at school, maybe averaging high C's. So when I graduated high school with a 3-0 and showed him all I got was a, that's the best you could do, I was expecting a bit more from you. At least your sister can get a 4. Several things like this happened through the years, and ne never had I made him happy. So personally, I thought of things, or at least something to help people who have gone through the same as me. Yelling and screaming and putting you down. His response to that is to never play their games. What I mean by that is if they put you down, don't feel it, don't show it, and recover as fast as you can. They want to put you down and keep you there. Holding you to over-extremely high standards, to which he re respond, they were compare you to someone else, said you could have done better than this, and stuff up the alley, then keep trucking along and make progress. And make sure that you do things to make you happy and not f just for them. I did many, many things in life to get my dad's approval, and never has he once gained anything, f or never once have I gained anything from him, just more judgment. And the one thing you can grasp onto, and I did for the longest time, is success is the best revenge. For all the shit my dad put me through, I know he'll be alone in the end. I'm moving up by August. My sister made has a full ride, or made a full ride scholarship, and my mom wants to leave Mexico, and he'll be alone with no one around him. Sounds cruel, but he put me through 19 years of hell. I'd go into more, but it just stirs me up, and I don't want to get into this anymore. Signed, Leo, from my paw phone. <laughs> paw phone. Ah, thank goodness he has an iPhone. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. It's a Blackberry, quite clearly. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, so going back, to, oh, go ahead. Say, no, you're fine. Respond. I just spent two minutes talking. Everyone wants to hear someone else. Okay. You know, I, I'm sorry to hear that about your family. You know, I, I go through, I, I mean, I have kind of a, an issue in my family as well. I mean, it sounds like I come from a, a little bit of a similar background. I mean, I, I do come from a family where my mom and my dad showed great respect toward each other. They loved each other very much. And um, if I ever talked down to my mom, like, he would he would wallop me. <laughs> he totally would. So, um, but as far as, like, the expectations of getting good grades, um, you know, that was definitely something that um, that was a very high pressure I remember high school being extremely stressful for me. And, um, you know, when I would look at my report card and I'd get like an A minus, I would be like freaking out. Oh, wow. So, so uh, Nuka, I don't know if you have a, a response to that, but let me ply you with another question just in case you don't, which is what what is it? What is the behavior of when group A succeeds at the task that both group A and B have been given? But group B did not meet the goal. Huh. Does it lead to um, like begrudging sabotage style behaviors? I mean, I guess there's a lot of different ways to respond. And I guess the, there's too many variables to be able to sort of conclusively say. Um, I mean, it matters, for example, uh, I, I guess presumably both parties wanted to succeed. Like if this is something that both parties were interested in, there's the possibility for a downward social comparison. So maybe you, you try to make yourself feel better by comparing yourself to people who did worse than you. Um, you can get this phenomenon of uh, vicariously living out through your kids. So some parents, you know, if they failed at being a rock star or being a, a, an athletic sort of superstar, they may push their kids into that sort of thing and sort of live vicariously through them. Um, there can be resentment, like you're sort of suggesting, I think, here that uh, if I did really poorly but my, my kid does really well, there's resentment. Or conversely, if I did really well and my kid isn't doing really well, 
I may feel, you know, like, oh, they're not trying or this is sort of a, a, an affront against me or this reflects poorly on me. So there's a lot of different ways I could imagine it sort of um, playing out. But what I'm particularly interested in this case is, is making a distinction here between, um, I want to say, sort of ignorance and malice. Um, so there, a, a person can be a bad parent for a lot of reasons. And I think that that's a difference that makes a difference here. Um, you can be sort of a bad, I mean, no one gives you a manual for how to be a parent. Uh, everyone who's a parent for the first time doesn't really know what they're doing in most cases. And so uh, a lot of times I'm very sympathetic to parents sort of doing the best with what they can. And so it's easy for kids to kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, my, 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 my parents screwed up and did a terrible job with me. And I, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the parents if it's a case of, they're, they didn't, you know, they made some mistakes as the kid was going along because they didn't know what the right thing to do was. If your child is struggling in school, parents, it can be tricky for a parent to know what to punish them. Do I try to reinforce positive behavior? Should I, you know, try to encourage other outlets? Uh, so in that regard, I think it's, it's, you have to sort of be careful about uh, lumping all, all these things together and saying, oh, parents can be really, really bad and they're all malicious, awful people. Um, a lot of the times I'm sympathetic and say they, they just didn't know better. They're, they're, they're flawed just like everyone else. That distinction, though, is sort of held in contrast to abusive parents or malicious parents or parents who are quite clearly um, antagonistic or abusive or uh, very obviously pernicious towards their children. Uh, and that, I think, is an entirely different category. So I think when we're talking about toxic parents here, we have to be careful when making the distinction between parents who just weren't very good at parenting versus parents who uh, really were um, very Machiavellian or very um, uh, harmful or very uh, sort of abusive towards their kids. I, I, uh, I guess I don't know, know enough of the story to be able to say which one it is for sure, although it seems from the way this fellow, uh, I think it was a fellow, uh, yes. was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, was describing it. It sounds like it may be a little closer to the, uh, the latter than the former, but you have to um, I, I would advise sort of keeping that in mind when talking about toxic parents that yes. uh, the kids may say my parents were awful, but the parents may say, well, I, I just did what I thought would be best. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not pointing out. So with, with my particular parents and, and my grades and stuff like that, I'm not saying, oh, because they pushed me um, that they were they were toxic by that. You know, uh, they pushed me to a new level. Um, you know, to make sure that I always did what I needed to do and to, to, to be better at it. I think it's important for any parent to encourage their children healthily. Healthily. Wow. That's not a word. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's good for them to, um, to push their children, but to not push them over the edge, if that makes any sense. Sure. So I just want to clarify for the audience because Nuka used a $20 word. No, it's fine. Machiavellianism is the employment of cunning and duplicity in statecraft or general conduct. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> Thank you for helping. It, it's being manipulative. Yes. Yeah. We don't mind the $20 words. I just recognize that some people don't have checkbooks right now with $20 on them, so we had to make sure we covered for that deficit. It's, That's it's all. too fabulous a word to not use in your day-to-day -day life. It really is, though. It really is. So some some other things that I've noticed and what I would consider a toxic parent, and this might be this might be a lot of people out there, is um, a lot of it tends to revolve around empty nesting. 
Um, and I've talked about this on uh, one of our other episodes. It might have even been the you were on one, the one you were on, Nuka, which is that um, instinctively it, we do whatever we can to protect our parents because we are literally their flesh and blood. And so, by protecting them, in a way, we protect ourselves. When in, I mean, really, what what that means is that it's hard for you to say, "My mom was a terrible." was doing something terrible. Maybe she wasn't a terrible person, but she doesn't want me to leave because she's going to be alone when, yeah, there are certainly other factors in play. Maybe you live in a bad part of town, you know, maybe other things, maybe you haven't thought about moving her, but you'll do whatever it is to say, my mom was a good mom. Maybe I screwed up. Maybe I just have too much ambition. Maybe I shouldn't be moving out on my own, even though you've developed and actually have the skill set to do that. And you should probably do that because that's the next healthy step in your life um not your like your parents saying you know oh you've been gone two weeks you know you were out of town you need we haven't done any dishes since you were gone go ahead and do the dishes that's another symptom of what i would say a toxic parent is you know who does that honestly (laughs) can you imagine that yeah so in other words you're talking about parents that can't that heavily rely on their children to where it's to the point where... It's fulfilling some other need. Yeah, so in other words, the child's taking care of their their um, adult, or their, I mean, sorry, their parent, when they're the age of 21. Right. right. And it's like the, they're in a nursing home, and they're taking care of them. Sure, and by no means am I saying, you know, screw family, because family is important. Family, for everyone right now listening, has a different meaning. For Rue, it's different. For me, it's different. Um, and... I mean, don't your parent? You certainly. I, I would argue we all owe our parents a certain debt. I mean, they they taught us how to use a toilet. I mean, come on, that's not easy, right? And so there's a certain amount that I feel now. This is just subjective that we should give back. You know, I make a point of calling my mom and letting her know I'm alive, chatting with her, seeing how she's doing, and spending some time with her, which is a big deal. Um, I would, but I left. I moved out, and she had to deal with that at the same time. And so there's a there's a bit of a learning for both of us that was involved in that. So anyway, what what else would you say, Rue, that involves or would be a toxic parent to you? What does it look like? Well, it looks like it it just looks like a parent that's absolutely controlling their life, dictating what they can and cannot do, telling them that they can't. They can't um, go over to somebody's house because they have to, like you said, clean the dishes or you, I mean. At 30. At 30. I mean, you still should clean the dishes. I mean. Your dishes. If if you're living there rent free, then yeah, you probably should go clean the dishes, you know. But But, but deliberately having the dishes dumped on you, like over a period of two weeks while you were out, is different, right? It's not different if they're not paying rent in my mind yes in my eyes if you are if you're if you're 21 whatever i'm saying 30 okay 30 if you're 30 years old and you're living at your parents place then you know and and you're not you're not giving them any money for rent they should just be able to pile their dishes up in the sink for two weeks i think that there should be an amount of respect sure but i'm talking about you're gone for two weeks and you come back and your parents have been using the dishes and they're mad that there are no more clean dishes because you were gone and couldn't do the dishes. Okay, that's stupid. 
But that's what I'm but talking if about. It, but if it was your responsibility, or like they had basically made some sort of a contract, but still they should be able to do the dishes. You know, because uh, I'm I'm just yeah. saying overall, if you're not paying rent, then you know what? Maybe you should um, help out a little bit more. Like if you're just sure. sitting there playing World of Warcraft, be- playing your video games, and you're not <laughs> lifting a a single. Finger. If, you're, if you're building more pylons all day, or, or whatever, just just as an example, just to throw out there, you should probably get off of your fanny and go help out because your parents are paying your rent. So until you are, <gasps> that's where you're being a toxic child. First of all, you can't say fanny. Uh, whatever. Shut fanny up. is British. <laughs> oh, for Sorry. vagina. Oh well. So there you go. I, I just I just. Oh, you offended our guest. I am so sorry. Speaking of guests, do you have anything you'd like to add before we go to our break? Yeah, I'm thinking of this 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 issue of uh, malice or this issue of sort of sort of bad intent again. I, th- I think that's really sort of the defining feature here because I, th- I, I can imagine contexts where uh, maybe a parent ha- you know ha- has a, a 30 year old kid who's still living with them, and you would say, oh, you know, the, this parent kind of babies the kid, or this parent kind of. Um, is overly protective or, or doesn't want this kid to leave the house. or and, and that's a very different breed, I think, than the parent who has malicious intent. So a parent who, who really just genuinely, you know, in the one hand you could say, well, she's holding him back. But on the other hand, you could say, well, she has good intentions, though. She, she thinks she's helping the person. And that's world away very different from the parents who, who's either um, malicious, who's actively out to harm the child, or who's just being plain and simple selfish and saying, well, I, I, your needs and your wants uh, are second to what I want, uh, which really shouldn't be, you know, I think people are, allowed, are entitled to a little bit of selfishness, but not in the relationship, I think, between a parent and their child. I think that should be one of the few relatively selfless relationships um, out there. So I think that, that's just opinion, though, on my part. All right. Let's go to break. By the way, everyone, because Nuke is our guest, there's not going to be Get Psyched. Sorry. <laughs> this is sort of a live Get Psyched. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we're going to go to break, and then we'll come back and continue our discussion. Woo! Hailing frequencies open. Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. Just like last week, we've got another segment of the press interview with Buzz Aldrin. We'll get to that in a second. But first, as of Tuesday, May 17th, here are your space headlines. SpaceX successfully launches the JCSAT-14 into orbit, then beats the odds and lands on their drone ship a second time. Kepler adds almost 1,300 more confirmed exoplanets. Europe's first Mars rover launch has been delayed until 2020. Antares rocket prepares for a key milestone in return to flight operations. SpaceX Dragon completes CRS-8 and returns safely to Earth with 3,461 pounds of cargo. If you want to know more about any of these stories, go check them out on social media and official organization websites. Now, the second part of the interview with Buzz Aldrin. Have you guys seen The Martian? Yes. The Hermes spacecraft is based on his cycler to Mars. And most people don't even know that, and that is that the world is getting exposed to his cycler and they don't even know it. And Andy Weir said he based it on Well, what, what it really did was fly by Mars, drop people off, yeah. and then pick people up. Uh, 
it's the same. No, when you drop people off, they they kind of stay there. They don't leave it empty, which they did. And, and they brought people, and then after a while they come and take them. Uh, so you. So I'm sorry. Hold on. So, so people want to ask you questions. Okay. Let him do it first since he... Hi, Matt from the Sci-Fi Podcast. Uh, how do you feel about the current space program as it is now? What would you like to see different? I can sum it up in uh, numbers that have to do with dollars, that have to do with disposable or discretionary funds. You know, a dollar today... Uh, was worth uh, not the same thing 20, 30, 50 years ago. So you have to even them out, and rather than a specific number, because the number that we're in debt is in the trillions, and uh, so those numbers get much, much bigger now. But a percentage. Now, Kennedy said, we're going to go to the moon, 61. 64, maximum building, 4%. Dropped off. And a couple of years later, two guys on the moon, one day. Several months later, two guys, one day. We had to deal with the, the problem in Apollo 13, but it was not a miracle at all. The guys were doing, really, everybody, what they were supposed to be doing. It would have been a catastrophe and uh, a lot of misguided, poor decisions if they hadn't come back. So it wasn't a miracle at all. They were not on that orbit around the sun. They were on at most a 10-day orbit, and we could bring them back and rest them. So after that, maybe five months, two guys. <coughs> In all, six out of seven times, two guys. One, one and a half, two days, three days, you know, with wheels. At that ended in 1972. Most of you were pretty young then. Okay. What have we got to show for it right now? How many people are on the moon right now? You know what the percentage is of discretionary funds? One half of a percent and less. Put that way for 10, 15 years. And going to Mars is a little more complicated. And I don't think we want to go there <coughs> for three days. That's very poor. Uh, what was it like coming back from the What was it like coming back down into the atmosphere? Uh, about 40,000 feet, I think we had a road shoot that slowed us down. Uh, I think 10,000 feet of three big parachutes. And uh, we had a pressure inside of about 5 psi, 
So when it reached more than five PSI outside, we knew we were home. We could smell the salt air. And that's a, that's a good sign that, <laughs> that people calculated this all right. We're going to be bouncing down. But in the early test that Apollo, little did they know, but some of the early tests got in the water. What's right now? What's right now? everyone this is leo the artist and every day i start my morning off by listening to for what it's worth and welcome back what are you doing i'm doing great tugs <laughs> i mean you just ruined true. your own joke <laughs> <laughs> so on the break, yes, um, I did some research about our topic, which is growing up with toxic parents. Woo! So um, here, here are some signs that you may have grown up with a toxic parent. This is from Bustle.com and has lots of gifts. Number one, you find trusting relationships difficult. There's actually some truth to that. Number two, you take rejection and failure very hard. Yes. Number three, you often have extreme reactions that confuse you. Number four, you tend to put your own emotional needs last, like Harley Quinn. Number Harley Quinn? Yeah, the Joker shits all over her. Um, she's badass, though. She is, but she always puts her needs last. Oh. Number five, you feel out of touch with your real self. Number six, your inner voice is incredibly critical. And number seven, you often feel responsible for your parents' behavior. Uh, is this... Where, where, what's the source on this? Bustle. So the, the, they didn't cite any academic research or anything like that? Um, <laughs> there's a lot of links here, and I'm trying to grab them. Sounds like this is like... Some a, of that... Go ahead. Go ahead. Some of that sounds like sounds kind of dubious. I mean, there's some truth to some of those things, um, in sort of the broadest sense. Uh, but a lot of that is gross generalizations. Well, sure. I mean, you're making seven broad statements. Um, it's based on a book called Toxic Parents by Dr. Susan Forward. Hmm. So, no, no. I'm curious. I this is this is interesting. Why yeah. why are these too broad a statement for you? Well, well, again, so so they're making the argument that I mean. If you know anything about things like abuse, for example, um, the effects of abuse, I mean, there's some general trends, you know, if a person's bullied or abused, there's some general patterns that you can expect. But to say that that this is what, you know, these are the signs of a person who's grown up with toxic parents uh, ignores the tremendous range of, of ways that it can sort of manifest itself. Um, I, I mean, the first point definitely resonated um, with some research that I'm aware of. Which shows that early child—I mean, at least in, in early childhood—the the type of relationship you have with your parents, particularly your mother, can have uh, resounding effects on um, sort of your your style of relationship or sort of the way you 
uh, trust other people in your later relationships. So that one, I, at least off the top of my head, is well substantiated in the psychological literature. Some of the other ones, though, without you know, without seeing the research myself, I'm a little. They, they sound very, very gross generalizations and very. Um, I don't say extreme, but kind of extreme. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's do this. Let's have a bit of a of an informal experiment right now. Let's say that, except for that first point, that the rest may be things you might think about yourself, but aren't necessarily true signs of toxic parents. Because I have another list, and this one I feel, based on what you said, could be a little more accurate. But I, I'd be curious. So, ready for the next thirteen? Sure. Although I'll point out that what you described technically isn't an experiment. But go ahead. <laughs> you are an academic. So, well, we could just say that that's. Forget that supposition. That's why I said experiment. Point one. Okay. Um, They fail to provide you with affirmation and security. Two, they are overly critical. Three, they demand your attention. Four, they make toxic, quote unquote, jokes about you. Five, they cause you to justify terrible behavior. Six, they do not allow you to express negative emotions toward them. Seven, they scare even their adult children. Eight, they always put their feelings first. Nine, they co-opt your goals. Ten, they use guilt and money to control you. Eleven, they give you the silent treatment. Twelve, they ignore healthy boundaries. Thirteen, they make you responsible for their happiness. That is a much better list. Yes, I agree with you because the other list I was like... Wait, are they talking about me? Because <laughs> well, well, this list is directly saying, you know, how you know, so basically it's describing symptoms potentially of of toxic parenting. Like, these are some things that would make a parent's toxic. So it's very directly assessing and listing the 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 diagnostic sort of characteristics of what you're interested in of, of these toxic parents. The other one was saying, oh, if you experience these sorts of things, you might have had toxic parents. Well, ignoring the fact that, hey, you might be experiencing these things for a lot of reasons or, hey, it may not have had anything to do with the way your parents reacted to you. It doesn't actually discuss anything the parents did. So mm-hmm. I think I think it's interesting because then our experiment would have succeeded because I've, ser- I've heard so many people say those first things on that list, which is why I chose it, right? Mm-hmm. So many people have said, well, my parents did, you know, the third one, the fifth one, whatever, whereas yeah. this one was way more specific about it and it's very different than that first list well because the, fir- the fir- again the first list the way it's worded it, it seems to come across a lot more like um looking at sort of how you feel and if you feel this way these might have been the outcomes of having toxic parents but it really it, it, it takes as a starting point the the symptoms in the person rather than the symptoms of of the parents themselves because it's, it's entirely possible for example that i could have very toxic parents but still turn out kind of okay in the end. And just because I've turned out okay and not harboring some resentment or, or feeling uh, very upset or self, you know, very self-doubting or having trust issues, just because I don't have any of that, I may still have had toxic parents. Right. It's almost like saying, um, do, you feel, do you feel good? Do you feel good, Tugs? Sure. It's probably because you ate a cookie. Like that. That's that's. Yeah, I mean, the logic is kind of the same. Is is yeah. It's it's sort of making inferences. Um, I mean, it makes sense to me. So so <laughs> so, audience, don't fall into the trap of the first list. Think about more of the second list. Now, the second list is from Lifehack, and oh God. and it was. <laughs> is that bad? 
No, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm as soon as I hear a popular sort of um, meme term online or website, I immediately you know it sounds like oh this came from IFL Science. I'm immediately skeptical. Ah. And I immediately assume that it was based on very um, precursory or, or no reading whatsoever or misunderstandings of what scientific literature has actually said. <laughs> well, this is clearly not scientific literature. It's just maybe things for you to consider and as you decide if you want to pursue your own investigation if you feel like that's needed, right? Okay, yeah. so you have an investigation. You find out that you feel that X, Y, and all those questions that you read, they said yes to. I feel that way. What then, do they do at that particular point? Then it's time to find your local mental professional and talk to them. Well, how is the local mental professional going to be able to help them get out of that toxic situation? Well, I mean, ultimately, the onus upon, is upon the person in the situation to sort of get out of it. I mean, again, you, you could argue that um, unless you're going to get the police involved or something, really, it's up to the person who's in it uh, to kind of get themselves out of it. And I'm not saying it's right that that's the case, but, uh, I mean, ultimately, if you talk to a mental health professional, they may help you to recognize, hey, this really is... Um, basically, uh, I was talking earlier, I think, about um, the sort of cognitive dissonance that goes on when people sort of make excuses for their parents, or they say, well, maybe, maybe it's not so bad, maybe it's me. Um, and a mental health professional, especially through things like cognitive behavioral therapy, may be able to help you sort of get out of those sorts of ways of thinking and say, well, no, this really is, it's not you. Like, you're, you're, you're stop making excuses for them. You need to get out of there. Helping people realize that there are situations like this where maybe you're better off being out of there and helping give them the impetus to leave. It's always good to have that objective third party to kind of... Yeah, um, to, to help you make sure that you're not, you know, you're not crazy or you're, you know, that the way you're feeling is, is, is valid. Tugs, I have a random question. Good. Cause then I have a random email. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel like that you have, um, toxic parents? You know, I don't, I don't. My parents, um, I think, I think, it, so I really liked that life hacker list because it talked about, um, healthy boundaries. And I think that's really where a lot of it is. A lot of, a lot from my perspective of toxic parent behavior comes through, boundaries not being respected you know those boundaries should shift as you grow and you become your own person and while my parents certainly i mean i think every parent has done something on that list right it's when you have that whole list together that you might have a toxic parent i mean my parents are always like you could do better you know you could do better um but they weren't ever really like mean about it right they were just like you know hey you know try and do a little better next time what do you think you could have done better and and i can't fault them for that um, that would probably be the closest thing on that list that they would have done. I think my parents probably stayed up at night worrying that they were being toxic parents more than they actually ever were. Why do you ask? I'm just wondering. Do you? I mean, that's... I'm not... No, I don't... As far as the definition of what we've said, my parents are not toxic. They want what's best for me. They do, they're not taking advantage of me or my situation. Is there certain things that I wish was better about our relationship? Of course. I wish that they were a little bit more accepting of, you know, when I came out being, or when they found out about me being gay, their <gasps> reaction was um, extremely, you know, extremely hurtful. You know, they always been there. We were always a cl close knit family. We were all about family. And then it was kind of like, 
Screw you. It, it was, yeah, things totally changed. And I found myself, I, I'm not saying that I was kicked out by no means, but I just didn't feel like I belonged anymore. So, I mean, it was a toxic situation, that particular situation. And it's been something that's been extremely hurtful traumatic. and probably traumatic and probably yeah. something that I probably should see a therapist for. But um, but what I consider my parents or my family to be toxic, I would say absolutely no. Okay. We have an anonymous, uh, from Anonymous for email. He says, hello for what it's worth. Once I saw your Twitter feed and seeing what you guys were planning to talk about, I quickly went to the closest computer I could find after killing the person who was at it and began typing. Just kidding. I wouldn't go that far, even if my character is half demon. Greatest stay anonymous. Uh, anyway, my parents are mean, and he typed it in all caps. And this isn't for me. This is for my friends who have seen the way they have acted towards me or asked what I'm able to do at home, which is not much. One of my friends called them a ticking time bomb, and they could not be any closer to the truth. They're only verbally abusive whenever they get mad at me, and my friends try to comfort me afterwards, saying I should endure it till I move out. Though they do get physically abusive sometimes, and that is a rare occasion. But the situation got worse right after that, so I tried to figure out ways to stop or calm the situation I had at home. I even went as far as calling Child Protective Services on them, and they, both my parents and the agent that came, quickly pushed it all under the rug and nothing happened. Toxic is a grave understatement for my parents because so many things have happened to worsen their own relationships with each other, with me and my sister. I can't really say I can't wait to move out, but I will already have a lot of friends who are offering me housing in case something drastic does happen. It's gone to the point where I almost want something to happen. Anyway, that's all I have to say, and I hope you guys have a good day. See you later. Anonymous. I shall defer to someone else. You two can fight to the death for the right. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, then. Not much of a fight. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was talking earlier about the difference between sort of bad parenting and malicious parenting. And this is sounding a lot more like that second type that I was talking about, the kind where it's quite clearly, um, this is a person talking about, when he starts talking about things like verbal abuse, um, this, this is definitely that, that toxic sort of situation. Um, and the really unfortunate thing, and I've heard this story, not, not this particular, but I've heard stories like this before, this idea of, because um, I would say, the first thing I would have said, I was thinking in my head, even as I was hearing it, child protective services, you know, go there, go to the police, get, you know, get someone else um, involved in this so that you're not dealing with it alone. Um, and I've heard the story before where child protective services shows up and it, it doesn't resolve anything. Like ultimately, um, it, it amounts to nothing or it doesn't go anywhere. And um, it's, it's really tragic when that sort of thing happens. And I guess it's, it's hard because you can't really think of a good it's a bad situation with not a lot of good outlets. Like unless you can, um, unless you're fortunate enough to have friends that you can move out with, or um, you know, like some 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 other alternative like that. Because the first situation is get get the hell out of there, uh, and if you can't, um, yeah, it's it's really hard to 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 know what to do if child protective services doesn't do do something, or if the you know, I guess the the, the best thing I could think of would be. When things start getting really bad, that's when you call the call. You know, I, I don't don't wait till things are kind of calm to to call. But you know, like if something's happening really bad, get the police there now. You get them involved, and you let them you know let them see it at its worst. So there's not this sort of well, well, you know, things seem okay and on the up and up right now. Um, and moreover, even if nothing happens, sort of the first time you call, if you keep calling, if you keep calling the police, if you keep calling 
child protective services. They're gonna, you know, they, they they make a note of these things. I imagine this that they'll realize that this isn't an isolated incident, and hopefully something can be done. Hmm. So, uh, Ru, were you gonna respond? Oh, I was just gonna, I was just gonna add. You know, if you're feeling like that, you're in, uh, in a very abusive or toxic situation. I'm definitely, you know, follow what Nuka's saying and, and try to seek for any sort of help that you, you can possibly get. And um, there's a lot. I mean, I know that there's some free counseling that's out there. As far as what I understand, I don't, I, I haven't did any research on this. I know that through my work and most work, work that you go through, there is some form of free counseling not every place that you work for does this but um you know maybe check and see if there's any sort of like free counseling you could go to them as well but definitely uh, if you're in a dangerous situation you need to do whatever you can to yeah to get out well i would say with the counseling too the good thing about a counselor because i mean ultimately i would say counseling kind of comes after the fact after you've gotten out of there but if you're if you're remaining in a toxic situation all the counseling in the world isn't gonna gonna help. You're kind of putting a, a bandaid on on the wound when there's still you know foreign matter or something inside of it. Oh yeah, I, I completely agree. But the good thing about seeing a counselor is a counselor hearing your story may you know it's one thing for for a child to call see you know child protective services and say this is what's happening. But if a counselor hears this and, and it says look this is really bad, they may have a little more um, sway or a little more power to make sure something gets done. Um, to sort of stop the situation, to not let, I mean, there's sort of a responsibility on the part of counselors to, um, I think, report this sort of thing when it's happening, especially if it's happening to a child. So, um, I know that the, we are we are currently on more of the abuse side of things, but it, it, mm -hmm. it bears discussion. If, now, before I say this, you know, no one here is giving actual legal advice, so this is just knowledge. If you are genuinely at a point of where there's an imminent threat to you on a regular basis that's preventing you from functioning on a basic level and you are not in a position to do anything about it especially after um, child protective services shows up you can consider the option of emancipation which makes you a legal adult immediately through the court system but it does have a huge psychological impact and you usually have to be at least 14 it is not a oh, i don't like the way my parents don't let me go out till 11 p.m card it is a very serious kind of thing mm -hmm. i know is, some i know some people resort. that have um gotten emancipated yeah um like for instance um at the the convention um we had a a minor that uh, it, it's a it's we had somebody that was emancipated that was a minor that wanted to attend the convention and because they were emancipated they were able to get into the con convention i'm not saying that that's what you need to do so that you can go to furry yeah. meets and conventions it's a huge deal. i'm just i'm just saying that you know there's a lot of things that you have to do in order to to be able to get to that particular point. Well, I think even even speaking to that point i would say uh, uh the step even before that go to the police um, if you're in that kind of a situation where it's that toxic, where it's that, where you're actually fearing for um, your physical well-being or where, where it's actually becoming, you know, crossing over that threshold into abusive, um, get, get the police involved. And either they'll, they'll tell you what your options with emancipation or they'll exactly. step in and try to find some way to get you out of there. But, you know, don't be afraid to, to go to the police. I mean, this is what they're there for. 
Um, but you shouldn't have to endure that sort of thing and you should never have to feel afraid for your life or afraid for your well-being um, in that sort of situation. As, go ahead. I, I, I know I'm about to read another email, but I just want to point out something else too, which is in your situation, um, Anonymous, you say that you've been struck by your parents, but just a little bit. It's my personal perspective that people who are in genuinely abusive situations, which when you're getting struck by your parents out of rage and not discipline, that counts. Um, it tends to acquire the infamous Hitchhiker's Guide SEP field. Someone else is getting abused. This isn't me. This is different. No, it's not different. I'm just telling you flatly, I'm going to pop your bubble. That's abuse. Period. Well, the problem, and the dan- it becomes a real dangerous slope when you start talking about that because you can say, well, it doesn't count, you know, he didn't break my nose, he didn't draw blood, he didn't bruise me this time, so it's not really abuse. But, but by the time, time, you know, you, you never know when it's going to, like, are you going to sit around and wait around for that really explode? If, 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 if it's shown, um, uh, a willingness to hit you on one occasion. Um, I mean, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. If they've shown that they're willing to hit you, um, it's likely they're going to continue to hit you. And you don't want to be around for that particularly bad day or, you know, for them to lose their temper in a particularly bad moment and, you know, hospitalize you or worse, God forbid. Um, so don't, don't ever trivialize as someone, you know, uh, if your parents sort of hit you or whatever, it's, well, you know, it was just a small bruise or something. That you know, the hitting is the problem. It's not, you know, how bad the hit was or how well you can take a punch. It's the fact that they've shown a willingness to inflict physical harm upon you um, that you can expect will, will, will continue on. It doesn't matter how much they apologize for it. It doesn't matter, um, you know, that you don't think it will happen in the future. They've made clear, they laid their hand on the table and shows this is a willingness that they're, that they're capable of. Right. I, I agree. Um, I was going to point out, um, I was going to pull out financial abuse. I mean, we, we talked about physical abuse. Um, we've touched a little bit on emotional abuse. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, if anybody is belitt- belittling you or t- um, talking down to you or telling you that you're a piece of shit, like, if they're being a bully to you, um, like a bully would, then then that's probably uh, a toxic... I mean, that's definitely a toxic parent as well. Um, yeah. Well, again, it, sh- it shows what they think about you, right? If they're willing to inflict harm, you know, it's one thing for a parent to say, oh, I- I'm worried, for, I don't think you're going anywhere in this career, blah, 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 or, you know, you're not doing well in school and I'm concerned, that's one thing. But if you're, if you're hurling it out of malice, if you're saying these things with the, with the intent of hurting your kid, verbally or physically, you're, you're essentially showing that... You, you have no, it doesn't bother you that you're doing this to your kid. And again, it shows a, a real frightening willingness to inflict harm later on. What if you have a particularly bad day? What if you're drunk in the future? What if you lose your temper in the future? Um, you know, it's, 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 you've shown what you think about your kid if you're willing to hurl this kind of abuse at them, verbal or physical. Well, and those, I, I believe that those words, especially coming from a, a parent, um, those words are even more um, traumatic to a, a child because all naturally, you know, most of us all look up to our parents or we want to have some, I mean, I'm not saying generalizing everybody, but um, most people, they want to honor their parents or they want to 
you know, receive praise or of some sort from their parents. And when they receive the negative, that's almost just as bad as somebody like cutting off your arm. Like it's, it hurts. It, it's something that's, that you'll carry with you for, for a very long time and you'll have emotional scarring. Um, if if you allow a situation like that to continue, I'm stealing a little bit of my own thunder here. But science, science, I have science, um, has science. I know has proven that um, toxic and abusive parents, uh, whatever they use for that definition, have caused differences in the development of the hippocampus. So it literally will change the structure of your brain. Uh, gotta be careful. Science can never prove anything. Science can find support for stuff. Right. Well, science still hasn't proven gravity. It just supports it strongly. Okay. So science <laughs> has strong evidence that the hippocampus is altered by toxic and abusive parents. Is that better said? Yeah. I mean, you, you could say that research has shown. You know, that, that. That. See, yeah. this is why I don't. I'm not a scientist. I'm just reading science here. I don't know how to how to frame it. Um, let's read this last email. Greetings, Rue, Tugs, and guests. I am usually not so open, but this opportunity is too good to miss. Perhaps by retelling my story of toxic parenting, I can help other first come to a place of serenity. This may or may not be material you can use for the episode. Um, oh, he didn't put the closing quote there. Um, I do realize I've had a much easier cubhood than many others, but I also know cubhood hurt is an individual thing based on perception. This resolution is also very personal. My apologies for the length of this email, so I will try and skim what I can. Uh, as long as the last cup of my line, the purpose of my life is told to me by my mother until I was six was you're going to get a good education, a good job, and support me, aren't you? Only once did I say no to see what would happen, and I never made that mistake again. I am very grateful that during cuphood I was fed, housed, clothed, and sent to school despite the poverty of my parents. There was no sexual abuse or physical beatings. There were never constant threats of violence. There were no friends, one of the rules imposed by the parents. No books, TVs, telephones, or recreational trips. Like I said, poverty was extreme. But what I missed most was the lack of emotional connection. I felt like a thing, like a piece of furniture owned by the all-powerful adult. And as long as I did not get dirty, using the laundromat was an expense, or make noise inside the house, make the house messy, or any demands, my needs for food, clothing, and shelter, and school were attended to. For years, I was troubled by negative emotions I could not understand. This led to issues getting jobs, relationships, and school after high school. It was definitely not a success. Fortunately, due to the extreme house rules and consequences, I did not get into drugs, crimes, or other negative situations. I left the parental influence at 25. Around 35, I assembled a history and discovered many things. There was no father around after I was three months old. We moved between states two or three times each year. And um, I was very hurt, and it came out as anger. But never anger towards the parent. That would be a death sentence. I also began to see the same last child being the retirement plan for the mother for the other four arms of the family. And I guess the truism is true. Family dysfunction is the gift that keeps on giving across generations. But my history has a happy ending. Once I assembled my history and saw the family form from the other last cubs of the family, I began to understand my long-term emotions. Over a few years, I learned more about my parent and how she had a similar younger life. And I understand now she was only parenting as she had been parented. And since she never got over the pain of her younger life, she could do no less than keep living the pain and pass it on to me. She became an example of how not to live. I'm not saying that the hurt completely goes away, and it never does. Nor am I saying that this is the answer for everyone. But my cup of hurt is now pro- 
proper perspective to all the wonderful, positive experiences I've had. At times, I still grieve the cubhood hurt in private moments, but I've forgiven my parents. I have forgiven myself for going along with the family dysfunction for so long, and I have released myself from the hurt and guilt. I am free. Okay, I talked a lot again. Deferring. That's a tough one because it gets at, at something that's really, I don't want to say a peeve of mine, but it's its um, a thing that I'm always really, the ability to explain something doesn't necessarily justify it. Um, so it, it's, in this case, uh, being able to explain, okay, this is why my parents acted the way they did. Um, it can definitely give insight. It can definitely provide an explanation. And I, I, I'm glad that for this particular individual and for many people, they find solace in that explanation. It's okay. Well, it wasn't personal. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't me. It was you know. But at the same time, you have to be careful about um, because you can go down a dangerous road with that line of thinking and saying, oh, because I can, you know, because oh, because they did, you know, they were uh, an alcoholic. This is this makes it okay what they did, or I'm no longer mad at them. Um, it's perfectly healthy, I think, if you're in that kind of situation to be mad as hell. If your parents treated you very poorly, if your parents, you know, uh, put you through this toxic situation, um, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to want to get away from that. It's okay um, to to recognize that what they did was wrong and to want to, um, you know, not have anything to do with it. I guess, I, I guess my point is, you know, just because you can explain it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's justified. Um, and this is a really interesting case too. This idea of because like, like uh, the person was saying, um, there was no verbal abuse necessarily. There was no physical abuse. This is more so that, that uh, you know, denying things. Like I, I was really put off by the um, de- denying having, being allowed to have friends or something like that, um, which really leads me to kind of question, well, what were the parents, what, what was their mindset? Like it's one thing to, to be very strict and to say, we're going to make sure you don't do drugs. We're really going to, hammer the school thing home, especially if they think that that's in your best interest and they're just trying to protect you. But I'm really not sure where the, uh, you know, the no friends thing, um, if, I, if I was hearing that right. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was one of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess I have to question when, when I start hearing that sort of thing, it starts to veer off course from, well, these parents were just very strict, but had their, their child's best interest in heart. And it starts to veer into that, well, what, you know, were, were they trying to be harmful or were they, were they trying to, um, yeah, what were they trying to do, I guess, is, is the question that keeps coming up. Right. Um, just what I want to want to point out is, uh, sorry, I'm an emotional person. Are you I, having emotions right now? I'm having emotions right oh, now. So I have, a, have I have a hard time sometimes putting my emotions are very complex. So this is the best way that I can I can tell you how I feel about this email. Um, can congratulations on being able to um go past you know look at look at the pain look at and and still remember the pain but not allowing that pain to continue to affect your life so for that i want to give you a single clap one two three you've got the clap good job all right well uh let's go to our last break and then we will come back, and besides doing all the other fun things you're used to, except for the game, sorry, everyone just turned off the podcast, um, <laughs> let's talk about how to deal with it. So we'll be back.
You're listening to For What It's Worth, brought to you by For What It's Worth brand convenience foods of the future. When you think about where your food is going, think For What It's Worth. Lunch is such a hectic time of day. Why, it's hard to get your hands on a satisfying meal when you're away from the home. So why not take your lunch with you and pack it with all the love and complex compounds of a home-cooked meal? For What It's Worth has you covered with our new line of convenience foods of the future. How about a delicious sandwich? Simply take two pieces of bread, add some For What It's Worth brand sandwich spread, then reach for our new and improved Stay Fresh Lunch Meat. Our protein is guaranteed to never go rancid no matter how long it sits in the sun. And if you can guess what it is, you win a prize. Now just add a couple of strips of For What It's Worth brand super bacon. What makes it super, you ask? Why, it cooks itself, right there, in your sandwich. Simply adjust the dial to select your desired level of doneness, and it will be ready by noon. And the dial is completely edible. Is your mouth watering? I'll bet it is. Why not dry things out with some For What It's Worth brand dehydrated water crackers? Other crackers are just too moist. Ours are the driest on the market, ready to soak up even the wettest of mouths. Ah, now that's a meal fit for a meal. Bon appetit. For What It's Worth brand convenience foods of the future, putting the brown in brown bag. And now for this week's secret code. Can you figure it out? Nine. 20, 19, 13, 1, 4, 5, 15, 21, 20, 15, 6, 16, 5, 15, 16, 12, 5. Good luck. Alright, so we're back at Comic-Con, and I'm here with a couple of bronies, which, you know, because Koru has his expertise here, he's going to do the interview. Ah, great. Okay, I've never done an interview before. So, hello, sir. How are you? And uh, who are, what's your name, and what do you do? Well, aside from losing my voice, I'm feeling just great. Love being here at FanX. My name is David Halliday, and I represent Crystal Mountain PonyCon. That's a brony convention here in Salt Lake City. And um, I'm the head of public relations, so I'm going around and letting everyone know about the convention we have coming up here in June. Okay, awesome. And where's it going to be at? It's going to be at the downtown Salt Lake Radisson Hotel here. And we've actually got a free day at Seven Peaks Water Park. So the Thursday before our convention, June 16th, both the Salt Lake City and the Provo Water Park will be open for us. Free parking, free tube rentals, free entrance. And uh, then afterwards, we'll have the two days of convention. And right now we're doing a special deal where if you get your ticket before Easter, online at crystalpony.com, crystalponycon.com then you can get your ticket for 30 as opposed to 45 and children 8 and younger come in free with a paying adult so it's a really good event for all ages okay awesome and I also heard you saying something uh, furry related is that correct? that's right so a lot of people in our uh, convention leadership are also furries uh, we we love the Zootopia movie and we've been furries for a while kind of furry light as you would say you know we we don't do the fursuiting, but we love it anyway, and we go to the furry conventions every once in a while. So we heard that Utah's not gonna have any more furry conventions just because they ran out of funding 
things happen. So we want to reach out to them and say, hey, we want furries to come to our convention too. And so if there's anyone in, in the furry fandom that wants to come, furry leadership that wants to coordinate with us, then we, we welcome you with open arms to our convention. Put on your full suit and uh, get your furry on. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, awesome talking with you. Thank you so much. Alright, we are here with Nico back at Comic-Con and Nico, what are you? I am a cat. Awesome. And you're not only just a cat, you are a doctor cat. Yes. <laughs> so why did you choose to cosplay as a Doctor Who cat? I mean, most people say that the 11th is the uh, uncoordinated house cat among the doctors. <laughs> so I thought it was too fitting. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's perfect. Per perfect. <laughs> I know. I know. My jokes are just so amazing. So tell me about your Comic-Con experience. It's been a lot of fun. Yesterday, I managed to arrange a small, small fur meet here, and like we went around. There was like a tail, tail train. If, if, if you, if you follow. Yeah, yeah, a tail train. I, I totally know. Everybody, okay. Hashtag tail train. We'll start this trending. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. So tell, tell me about what you're going to do for the rest of the day. Um, frankly, I'm gonna see if I can find some other furs and just hang out with them some more because I had a blast yesterday and want to continue to do so. So how long have you been in the fandom? And um, what drew you to the fandom? About two years officially, uh, but I first really discovered the fandom three years ago at Anime Bonsai 2013, where they had a lot of furs uh, that one year. And I just had a lot of fun uh, being with them uh, during that time. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's see. I'm, I'm like running out of questions here. Oh no. Ah, okay, here we go. The most, um, one of the questions, um, if you were interviewing me, what would you ask? Who are you? I am Rue. That is who I am. And I am, a, no, I'm just kidding. So who are you? I am, I am Nico. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You've already answered that. So, all right. The most important question. What is your favorite cookie? Pumpkin chocolate chip all the way. Oh, my gosh. Pumpkin chocolate chip is amazing. It's so much better than regular chocolate chip. I know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. And it, your cosplay is amazing. Awesome. Well, I put it in your microphone. That's just great. <laughs> All right, we are back, and we're back talking about, once again, toxic furries. Furries? I mean, toxic parents. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's our next episode, Toxic Furries. No. <laughs> so, we are here with Nuka. Say hi again. Hi again. <laughs> and we're going to talk about how to deal with toxic parents. So if you believe that you have toxic parents, you should consult with the doctor immediately. No, uh, really, though, what should you do? 
What should you do? Do you have Do you have any general advice, Nuka? A personal advice or science advice? Um, I mean, I I, I guess it's more practical advice. This is uh, coming. Out, I consider myself to be a relatively pragmatic, practical person. Um, if you're in a situation that's that's particularly you know bad for you, either psychologically or or physically, um, get out. And it's it's it sounds like I'm being a little bit glib there, but it, you really need to, to get out of it and sort of whatever means necessary. If you have friends you can go to, if it means contacting uh, child protective services, the police, talking to a counselor to try to you know get people on your side, but um, don't put it off, I guess, because it's really easy um, to fall into this trap of saying, well, it's, it's bad, but I can live through it. I can put up with it for another week. I can put up with it for another month. Um, but if it's, if it's, toxic if, if it's really that bad for you whether it whether we're talking about full-blown abuse or just you know that slow grinding you down week after week month after month year after year um you need to get out of there one way or another yep what do you what is um what are the benefits of just talking and connecting to people who may also be in similar situations do you have any data on that um, well, in general, we know that people who've experienced, you know, stigma or, or some kind of trauma, or they generally benefit from being able to talk to other people because it helps them to not feel alone. So you don't feel like you're suffering by yourself or the things you're going through are kind of unique to you. Um, and it can help build sort of the, ultimately what people need is, is social support. You need people around who can be there when life, get, life gets tough. And sometimes it can be helpful to have these groups of people who've gone through the same thing you have because they're, they're people who will have the patience and, and the understanding to empathize and to listen to you, which if that's what you need in the moment, if that's what, what satis- or a psychological need you need to have fulfilled or satisfied in that moment, that's a person who can do it. It may be tough if you have a person, uh, friends who haven't been through the situation that you've been. It may be tough. To, to have them understand what you've been through. They, you know, they can still be there and be supportive, but if they're going, well, yeah, that really sucks, dude, and, and that's about all they got, you know, all that they can really provide you with, um, that may not be sort of fulfilling that need. So survivors groups or, um, you know, groups of people who, who've been in similar situations can definitely help by providing people who can empathize and understand where you're coming from. Is there any kind of a correlation between... Um toxic behavior from like an authoritative standpoint to just general bullying by peers is someone more likely to be involved between those two do you know um do you mean like if, if your parents are if you're being sort of um bullied by your parents are you more likely to also be bullied by other people or do you mean yes. if you're getting bullied are you more likely to be a bully no 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 the first one the first one um i i can't think off the top of my head um, of, of any studies. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, um, but off the top of my head, I can't think of them. I would hypothesize that a person who's, you know, who, who takes a lot of, of flack at home um, and who, who, who may, you know, they, it may make them into a very passive person or a very um, low self-esteem kind of, because we know the effects that abuse has on people. It can have these very detrimental effects on their their self-esteem, on their you know, uh, life satisfaction, their sort of how they see themselves and what they think they deserve sort of thing. Um, so I can see how a person like that would be more prone to bullying. If you don't think that you're worth very much, 
uh, or if you, you feel you know that, that you deserve this kind of behavior and you're accustomed to getting this kind of behavior, I can see how you'd be much more willing to put up with it in other contexts as well. Gotcha. So, Tugs, I know that you have some research to share with us. I, I have my crack research. So I'm going to read just a portion because of copyright law. An article from the New York Times that was written by someone who is apparently a scientist, Dr. Richard A. Friedman, who is a professor of, or was a professor of psychiatry at Will Cornell Medical College. So, does that does that satisfy your threshold? By the way, new yeah, yeah, no, this is, yeah, I, I think I even recognize the name. It's, okay, good. It sounds like a, 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 this is a person who at least has some expertise. So. Yes. So this is uh, the portion I'm going to read. He says, sometimes we consider a paradoxical intervention and say to a patient, I really admire your loyalty to your parents, even at the expense of failing to protect yourself in any way from harm. The hope is that patients come to see the psychological cost of a harmful relationship and act to change it. Eventually, my patient made a full recovery from his depression and started dating through, uh, though his parents' absence in life was never far from his thoughts. No wonder. Research on early attachment, both in humans and non-human primates, show that we are hardwired for bonding, even to those who aren't very nice to us. We also know that although prolonged childhood trauma can be toxic to the brain, adults retain the ability later in life to rewire their brains by new experience, including therapy and psychotropic medication. For example, prolonged stress can kill cells in the hippocampus, a brain area critical for memory. Good news is that adults are able to grow new neurons in this area in the course of normal development. Also, antidepressants encourage the development of new cells in the hippocampus. It is no stretch, then, to say that by having a toxic parent, you may also be harmful to a child's brain, let alone his feelings. But that damage need not be written in stone. Of course, we cannot undo history with therapy, but we can help mend brains and minds by removing or reducing stress. Sometimes, as drastic as it sounds, that means letting go of a toxic parent. In the name of no, I'm just uh, no <laughs> tugs, tugs. Ah, only I get that joke, or Utah people get that joke. Ah. So, oh my god, I figure that we could probably just let that stand on its own without dissecting it. But let's take a vote. Do you think we need to dissect this? You know, I don't, but I do think that we should go around for final thoughts. Oh, we will, we will. Nuka, did you want to dissect that any? Um, I generally agree with it. I, I don't think it needed the ner- I'm, I'm dubious of a lot of claims about neuroscience. I, I don't think you need the neuro component, but in general I agree with it that uh, yeah, it's it's these effects can be detrimental, but they're not set in stone. They're not, you know, carved out and, and you're not stuck with them. Alright. If anyone's curious, that article is from October 20th, 2009. So, Rue, what were you saying? Oh, so I have a little point that I want to bring out. Is this final thoughts? It's not necessarily final thought, thoughts. It's it's a if you are listening parents thought. Aha. So look, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking in your mind, wait a minute. Okay, so these guys are examining parents and they're not parents themselves. Well, what we have to say to you is this. Please. What, what was that for? It was the light bulb. Oh, okay. Please send us an email. Tell us your thoughts. It, it's correct. We, the three of us here, four of us here, we don't have experience in the fact that we don't have children. We could do as much research as we absolutely want. We could get the facts, the figures, different things like that. The, and we could try to understand through those things, you know, 
what it is to be a parent and what parents have to have to do. But the the true and honest fact is is that we've never experienced that. I've experienced being a child. Well, I know uh, being a child. I, I meant being a parent. So all that we're seeing on uh, at least on our side is you know. And the experience that we're pulling from is how our parents treated us, not the other way around where it's, this is how I treated my child, or this is something that I did with my child and I probably could have done a little bit better, you know. So if you have experience, if you have a child yourself, we want to hear from you. Okay. Sounds good. So final thoughts then. So Nuka, share your final thoughts with us. Um, actually, I'll riff off of uh, what Ruth said for my final thoughts. Um, if, if there are parents who are listening to this, um, it's not an indictment of parents. Most parents, I think, do the best they can. Um, I think most parents genuinely just want what's bad or what's bad, what's best for their kids. <laughs> um, there's a, a slip there. Um, they want what's best for their kids, and so I don't think that you know it, a parent listening to this shouldn't say, "Oh well." You know, I just want what's best for my kids. I, I was very strict with them because I, I was trying to help them, protect them. And we're not, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly not railing against any parents um, who, regardless of their choices, if they had their kids' best interest in heart and they genuinely were trying to, to help them, I mean, there's no, no manual for how to be a parent. And so um, I, I, this isn't an accusation. This isn't uh, any, any reason for, for the vast majority of parents, I think, to get defensive. I think we're we're really focusing on a, a very small fraction of parents um, who quite clearly have stepped over a line or are uh, engaging in, if not you know, blatantly abusive behavior, are certainly um, engaging in behavior that quite clearly shows they probably don't have the uh, best interests of their kids in mind. So, hey, sound guy, do you have any thoughts on the situation? I don't know about thoughts. The only thing I can think of is what most people go through who suffer through this is what is called traumatic reenactment, where they will go through their life and then subconsciously, through the abuse, try to find ways to reenact it. And it's a very unhealthy way to do and should probably seek some mental help through a psychiatrist, psychologist. Awesome. Voss. I mean, not Voss. Well, thank you, Voss. Um, <laughs> Tugs. Your name is not Voss, but what is your final thoughts? I hope that this episode didn't cause anyone to be greatly offended and was just really helpful in, if you are one of these people, taking a good hard look at your life and hopefully some positive change will come out of it. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening into this episode. I hope that the that we gave you some good facts, that we gave you some of our opinion. Um, but hopefully you come across, if you're in a type of situation like this, I hope that it gave you some sort of, um, some sort of help in some way, um, to point you into the right direction of where you need to go or what you need to do. Time to change the subject. Housekeeping. No. Housekeeping. It's time for housekeeping. So guess what? There's no game. Oh, or a mailbag. Ah, oh, next episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, we wanted to keep this pretty direct and to the point this time around because it's a longer episode. So they will be back. Um, we do have mail in the mailbag. Actually, we have recordings in the mailbag. Recordings? Yes. So we will, we will get to those in the next episode. So um, I want to, first of all, start out by thanking the cast. I want to thank you, Tugs. Why? For putting together this episode, um, typing up the notes, setting up things with um, Nuka. Thank you, Nuka, for coming. I appreciate it. Um, and your time. Um, also, I want to thank um, Koru, who sadly couldn't be here today because he's really sick. He's, he's, Did you hear that? He just spilled oil all over himself in his sickness. Anyway, none of that's being recorded. <laughs> no, he really is under the weather, so that's why we brought in... We brought in Voss, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And also Firebreath for being Canadian and being a great announcer. He's awesome. <laughs> I didn't know you could thank people for being Canadian until now. Today I learned. <laughs> today. Sorry, sorry, eh? <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> so yes... Oh. I like saying this part. This Go is my ahead. line. Okay, you do it. Uh, <laughs> Fine. Comment on the site. Just do it. Uh, someone out there is going and commenting on every single episode because I said he did and he didn't want to be a liar on the furry <laughs> podcast of record. So now he's doing it. So I wonder what other power I have. But in the meantime, you should comment too. Not the other guy. Not, oh, so I'll just go read the comments. No, I mean you listening to this we love conversations that that happen on there because it makes us feel like that listen that people are listening (laughs) like that that's the main part of it if if you think that it's a piece of like an episode was a piece of shit i would like to hear about that (laughs) and then we would have you in the next episode and we'd probably troll you but that's okay (laughs) so um we have social media if you haven't uh discovered what the internet is i don't know how you're listening to the show but we are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. And don't forget that you can download the show now through Google Play Music. Huzzah! Stitcher for Android and PC. And iTunes. iTunes. E-Y-E tunes. Also, don't forget, don't forget about our Facebook. Um, also, we have something in the works. So you telegram people. Stay tuned. Oh, yeah. We do have that thing. Yeah. We're trying to connect with you more, but in a way that works. So, um, Nuka. Yes. Tell people about yourself and plug the IARP, won't you? Oh, yes. So, uh, the IARP is a group of social scientists who study furries. Uh, I've been doing it for the last few years. We're going to be at Amphicon this year. So, if you're going to be at Amphicon, uh, definitely check us out. Um, You can be a part of our ongoing survey. Uh, Or, if you're interested, you can take part in our current longitudinal study where we follow... Uh, track furries for several years to see how they change over time. Uh, you can do that at our research website, furryresearch.com. That's furryresearch with an H dot com. How else would you spell research? You know what? It's this joke where it's like crafting with a C, but now I always remember the site. So now it's research with an H. People go, oh yeah, furry research. There's your mnemonic device, everybody. <laughs> I remember that. You should just do that from now on. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to uh, stress another thank you out to you. Thank you for spending um, some time with us. Yes. So, our next episode, drum roll, please. Oh, crap, you didn't tell me I needed the drum roll. All right, the next drum roll is about Vietnamese soup. Fuck! 
we're going to talk about fa. No, we're really going to talk about F A, which is pronounced fa. <laughs> I was like, what? I, you know what? I have a really, really good restaurant that has fa that's next to our house. If you ever want to go, it's so amazing. I don't live near you, so yeah. So about F A? Oh, whatever. F-A. You live. We live. We're like next door neighbors. I could knock on your door for a cup of sugar. Like seriously. So let's talk about F A. Yeah, we're going to talk about F A. So, um, as everyone knows. For Affinity, at least at the time of recording, it was down, and now just announced that all their passwords have been compromised. So, yay! <laughs> so, <laughs> and right now, somebody's in my Telegram trap. Telegram chat. Wow, trap, trap. It's a trap. Crap. Crap. They're complaining about it right now as we're talking about this particular episode. So the episode is not going to be let's hate on FA. Sorry, we're actually going to talk about why is FA so prominent? What is it? Some people, because, you know, we're immersing and introducing, we should probably do the introducing piece. Uh, what so, is F.A.? What can you do with F.A.? Um, and all that stuff. And maybe at the end we might talk about the security of F.A. Maybe. So, Tugs, what do you want them to send in? If F.A. has been a significant part of your life or has a special meaning to you, Please write in and tell us at cast at for what it's worth dot com. If you are frustrated about F.A. or have some comments about F.A. that you would like to share with us, please also send those in. But also don't forget to send the like the facts, the nice stuff, because we are going to try and be factual. Yeah, we're we're we have to be biased. So we have to be biased. Well, we try to unbiased, unbiased. Sorry. (sighs) Chorus hollering from the other room. Look yeah. at what happens when he's not here to keep you in line. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, okay, all right. So this is Rue. This is Tug's wondering why you never got the cue. This is Boss. Hey, Koru, scream your name. Hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> that might have picked up. Okay. Who else? Nice. Is there? there you go. And, and you've been listening to For What, for what It's Worth. worth. Do we want to do that again? <laughs> no, because Nuka didn't say it. Okay, Nuka, go ahead. Say for what it's worth. For what it's worth. Yay! Question mark? <laughs> Turn that off. <laughs> <laughs>